When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Comic books, comic time Writers and artists are on the line They make a splash as a comic's red And take us on a trip behind the spread Watch out for comic book commentary Spinning a winning inside Fix how they got a hot idea Narrative character visual tricks And onomatopoeia Uh-huh It's comic book commentary Hey, comic book commentary listeners. Uh, Thank you for deciding to download this one and listen to it. Uh, If you have not listened to any in the past, uh, I've done this a couple of times. My name is Vida Ayala. I write comic books. Uh, Most recently, I wrote Prisoner X for Marvel uh, and... uh, I worked on some merch for Vault and Livewire for Valiant. Uh, I'm joined today by, uh, you know, two people that are both friends of mine and also co-creators. Uh, so I'm going to pass it to them. I am Danny Lore. Um, I am co-writer on this, um, which feels really awesome because I uh, get to be part of a pretty wildly dope team. Um, I wrote Queen of Bad Dreams for Vault, I think issue three. Yeah, issue three, I did some CBC uh, commentary for. So if you haven't listened to that, you can. Um, and um, also co-writing uh, Bond up, James Bond upcoming with Vita as well. And uh, passing it off to uh, Jamie. My name is Jamie Jones. I am a, I'm the artist of Quarter Killer. And I do... Uh, all the things you see on the page. So pencils, inks, and colors. And uh, yeah, my past projects have been, uh, I I did a five ghost special, just five ghost stuff. I've done uh, my creator own comic, the baboon, which is a pulp action thing that was kickstarted not too long ago and is now out and you can get it. So there you go. So we're going to walk you through kind of all 22 story pages plus the other two pages of the book. Um, This is a creator-owned book uh, that is put out through Comixology. It's called Quarter Killer. We have, as a team, uh, been talking about this book for how long now? I, I was brought on three years ago. Okay. We, Danny and I have been talking about this for about 10 years, yeah. <laughs> just as a concept. This is probably the second idea we ever came up with. I'm not going to say the first one because it's a ridiculous sentence and we will put it in a book one day. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to say that uh, ratings wise. Uh, but this is something that kind of as an idea has been near and dear to our heart. So just very quickly to take you through the basics of it. Quarter Killer is a cyberpunk story set in New York City. It's set in, I mean, Manhattanville, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> set in Harlem, uh, although it takes, you know, we bounce around all over the city. Um, and if you don't know what cyberpunk is, uh, Danny, would you like to take that? <laughs> uh, so cyberpunk uh, is a genre that very much focuses on um, when you have this future that is 
corporate that is uh, high technology um, and what happens to all of the people who didn't make bank in the stock market that didn't um, rise to the cushy top of these uh, uh, organizations. And cyberpunk is very much about um, the rebellion, the revolution of both just existing uh, in those worlds, um, in the shadows of like the big corporations or um, those people who are actively fighting against the system. Um, it's very much about uh, marginalized groups of people. Um, it's very much about um, kind of like low like low living high tech sort of stuff uh is kind of like the the concept um which we deal with a, a lot in this book um you probably know of cyberpunk uh from let's see the most popular stuff right now the uh classic tabletop and video game shadow run um there's upcoming cyberpunk uh 2077 um but it's also something yeah. like if you are a william gibson fan you are very familiar with cyberpunk yeah. if you like altered carbon you're a fan of cyberpunk cyberpunk has a very established kind of lane and tradition and so we kind of preface all of that or, or going through the book with that because we want you to have the context so we don't actually have to explain everything to you. If you understand, you know, if you've ever seen Johnny Mnemonic or read Johnny Mnemonic or Akira, like you understand what cyberpunk is. It's tech noir, um, often concerned with oppressed people. Um, it's very much involved with class and, and often also ethnicity, but mostly class. Um, uh, Jamie, I want to pass it to you if you have anything about cyberpunk. Uh, yeah, from a from a look perspective for this book, it's very very early cyberpunk. I know, you, like, generally when I think cyberpunk, I go right to Blade Runner. I think that's kind of the <laughs> uh -huh. the the standout thing. But for this book, we wanted to do something. I mean, it's set. What is it? Twenty twenty two, right? Like it's something like that. Yeah, <laughs> super super close. So uh, cars still kind of look like cars of today uh settings and and kind of stuff that you're gonna see in the book there's some futuristic style things but for the most part it's pretty uh it's still all like brick buildings and concrete buildings because that's just the way it is but uh there's robots and there's cool goggle things and and it's <laughs> definitely more it's it's low future or, or close future uh, more so than just like straight up hoverboards right uh -huh. and, and that's intentional too so one of the things that is really interesting about technology in general is that it it advances exponentially fast so it's not like one and then one and then one it's like we make huge leaps and jumps and we are living at a time now where we're we're pretty friggin' close to singularity. Gotta mm -hmm. tell you guys. Um, you know, I was literally talking to Jonathan Hickman about this yesterday, but uh, we it is now true that we have cracked true with a little T, right? That we have begun to crack aging and reversing cellular degradation as cells re replicate. That's a real thing that we're doing. Like they're doing studies on right now. The, per the, the line is right that the person that will live to be a thousand has already been born. That's, and, and when we talk about technology, that includes weird stuff like that. And so we wanted to make it 
relevant to now while still kind of touching this weird and wonderful future and terrible future that we are approaching. Um, um, I am like, I'm like a general cyberpunk nerd, but in particular, I spend a lot of time thinking, uh, as I mentioned before, like about Shadowrun recently, like I, you know, I play the, both the computer and the tabletop game quite a bit. And there's always, um, when you're setting up your stories uh, in that world and you're talking with uh, your table about what kind of story you want to tell, um, the kind of quick um, coding of that is often, do you want black trench coat or do you want mirror shades and pink mohawks? <laughs> um, and it's very much like, you know, about what kind of tone do you want to tell with this cyberpunk story? Um, and one of the things that I love um, about uh, Jamie's uh, work on this, especially uh, in his color work, is kind of how he, we, we do lean, and I like, especially on a, on a story level, more towards mirror shades and pink mohawks because that stuff is fun. Um, right. Also because of the comic the, book, <laughs> some of the other influences that we're drawing from uh, make us lean a bit more towards there. But I think that, um, what Jamie does really well is kind of switching between those two uh, in terms of the aesthetic. Um, and I think some of that works particularly well uh, because aesthetically he's brought it so close to our current time. I agree. Um, and yeah, so, yeah. oh, go ahead. That's really interesting because it's something I hadn't thought about. Uh, the I think my line work, if you were just going to see this book in black and white, would be black trench coat. But the mm -hmm. way the colors come in, I make it, it's all like neon pinks and, and <laughs> oranges and yellows. It's pattern so. and patterns too, which right. I think are, um, is something that you don't always necessarily see in cyber. Like it feels like such a small thing, but like pattern work. Um, un, and I feel like, un, except for the ones that are very uh, intentionally crib, cribbing off um um, Asian culture in specific ways, right. they don't, uh, you, you tend not to see like color work, uh, right. like color and pattern work. And, uh, I feel like you did a lot of cool stuff that I always scream about. And, and two, just to touch on it. Um, so like one of the things that was really important to us was to bring our influences, um, and things that we find, uh, you know, kind of shaped us as people into this book. Um, so Danny and I are both super hip hop heads. Like that's just true. We're both from New York city. Um, and we wanted to bring, we didn't want to copy the aesthetic of what is traditionally thought of as cyberpunk because there's a lot, there's, there's a range of things that can fall into cyberpunk. And we had this opportunity to really kind of reach in and go, okay, what does cyberpunk look like to, uh, you know, black kids from New York city? Um, you know, it's graffiti, it's hip hop, it's video games, it's all this stuff. And we wanted to really also give Jamie as much fun stuff to play with as possible <laughs> because his, his style and he'll talk more about it, but we rant about Jamie all the time is very kinetic. It's, it's, it's lyrical almost, um, as a visual style. And so we wanted to make sure that he could kind of bring that in, um, or I guess you, cause I'm talking to you, Jamie. Um, so, uh, <laughs> If you, we can start getting into the book itself. Oh, um, you like, okay. uh, I was going to say, um, just, uh, no, I'll continue. Okay. We're going to, we're going to run through, uh, the first two pages, which are the cover and the title page. And we're, we're going to talk about them a little, uh, just because they're both very important. Um, I'm going to step out of Jamie's way in a second. 
because this cover is truly incredible and I want to hear everything that he has to say about it. Um, but before I do, I wanted to, and we'll talk about this a little bit in the title page, I wanted to just shout out uh, Tim Daniel, who did the logo for Quarter Killer. It's absolutely gorgeous. It is it's perfect so for the aesthetic. Oh, it's, it's so slick. We went through a couple of different versions and each of them was really incredible. Um, but I think this one does really capture the vibe of the book. Um, it is both kind of like tech inspired and graffiti inspired. It is very colorful and playful while still feeling very weighty. And so Tim, who's done other logos for me, uh, we worked together on Submerged and The Wilds and Queen of Bad Dreams. Queen of Bad Dreams for Danny, which shout out, uh, read that book. We'll talk more about shout outs at the end. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to say, Tim, thank you so much. This is incredible. And then I will pass it to Jamie now. Oh, okay. Uh, so the the first thing what I tried to do when I uh, approached when I approached covers, kind of just in general, but specifically for this one was uh, making a cover that would look good on the Comicsology website. So I uh, basically, and I've done this, I've done this before with other projects, where I will just go to the website, take a screenshot, and de- design covers based off of what looks good on their website. So Comixology has a primarily white background on everything. Uh, and you have just like really vibrant pictures and covers for other projects or, or other books. And especially with Marvel and, and, and DC that you're competing with on that level, the thumbnail size has to be the, the characters and the thumbnails are, are so tiny that you need a readable cover at such a small size. So I thought I should do white backgrounds with just like a static kind of interesting one figure uh, book or uh, cover. And it will, it should theoretically on the website when all of the issues are up, just look like there is just a character there and not any background because it's stark white on stark white. So that's kind of the initial design aspect of it was figuring out a way to make it pop in a lineup of, of other comics. Uh, so far, so good. People have actually <laughs> said stuff about that, which is cool. Um, so yeah, that's design-wise. And then I just drew a fun picture of Quarter Killer. Like that was, <laughs> that was really it. And it's so, yeah, we get the first glimpse of our main character, uh, Quentin Kidd, uh, who is known as the Quarter Killer, right? The the series is named after QK. Um, and importantly, uh, just going in, uh, the Quarter Killer does not kill. No. <laughs> they do work for quarters. Uh, they're a non-binary character. Uh, and they use the quarters in a society in which we have gotten rid of real, like, physical money. Um, and that's kind of like the way that this Robin Hood of the Hood character is able to live outside of the grid because real money has now become a commodity that's worth more than the production of it. And so they work for quarters. Uh, I think that was like literally the first idea. Like, like we literally just started out with a, um, so we came up with the original concept literally uh, on shift at work. Um, Sorry, boss, who I definitely still work for. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't remember precisely which one of us like triggered the idea, but it was very much uh, all memories of Vita and I telling stories are just merged into like one 
Some, one of us, we, we fuse and <laughs> we come up with better ideas together. That's just how um, it works. And it was literally just like the, what about like this dude who like, uh, like is just, they, they, um, use quarters, um, when, when they get hired because then they can call their mom from an untraceable payphone, And that right. was where everything started. Yeah. It was basically, I, I need coins to call my mama and to play video games. <laughs> Because uh, we're grown. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really love, you know, one of the advantages of having these cover designs where it focuses on one character is that you can really get to know a character at glance. And I think that Jamie did an incredible job of kind of showing us exactly what kind of what kind of person QK is. The the gangster lean, the very casual flick of the quarter, the, the, the pinky on the machine, I think is yes, my favorite part so of the good. entire cover. <laughs> yes. It's, it's just so, so slick. It's so slick. The the weapon that they're casually holding. And um, again, going back to patterns, that that real good pattern just in the lining of, you know, this this jacket is right. truly wonderful. And the shoes yeah. too. That was something that we really um or that I was kind of really wanting to do and when we talked about it a little bit but uh so i started doing character designs right when the black panther movie came out and everyone was dressed like to the nines and <laughs> everyone was wearing prints and i was like man if we're doing this book where uh you know it's it's that's that's the 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 future of clothing design <laughs> should be all prints right like <laughs> i want to get away with that um <laughs> So I was, uh, so every character in this book has a print or, or something. And what I do is I actually go through and I design the print and then I can just copy and paste kind of like using screen tones, mm. um, and just kind of put, put, paste those, uh, those kind of textures onto the actual drawing. So it is pure on, on, uh, uninterrupted and unaffected just it, it's literally me pasting a sticker <laughs> on top of on top of color to, to get that genius. look I, I love it one of the things and i don't actually know if i've uh mentioned this before but one of the things that i love about like the way that you have the pattern done um especially in the way that you're talking about, like, you know, you're putting a, a sticker on top where it doesn't have the same like folds and stuff that the rest of the um, clothes do. It always reminds me of um, one of my favorite aesthetics from an anime. Uh, there's a, a series, Gankutsu, uh, which uh, is Count of Monte Cristo, but he's a space vampire. <laughs> uh, and one of the things that they did, and I forget what the actual uh, term, like, term that they use for this um style is but instead of like using base colors they actually everything is an actual pattern like even so if you look at the design of the hair it is like an actual pattern that sort of thing with the way that it moves and it always very pleasantly reminds me of that and this we'll we'll come back to this yeah. because there are some dope prints throughout the throughout the book um but so moving on to the title page Man, what are we at? We're, we're at 18 minutes. We're at the title page. I love it. <laughs> Doing good. Um, so this was something that we actually spent a lot of brain power on. Um, you know, I, it's really slick and really clean. And I don't know if people really appreciate how much work uh, Ryan does in general, which they should. But one of the things that we really wanted to kind of have as a theme throughout the book was, 
you know, hip hop culture was music and general culture. And so when we came to the title page, we thought, um, and I don't, again, I don't remember who kind of like said it first, but we all, all of us kind of talked about it, all three of us. Um, we wanted it to look like the inside of a cassette tape, like where you see the track list and like all that kind of stuff, because we thought that would be super dope. <laughs> um, and I think also part of it was, um, aside from my genuine belief that everything should be a mixtape, right. um, the, the format of, uh, this book, which um, we'll get into a little bit more uh, when we talk more and more about like the influences behind the book, are very much these kind of um, connected but standalone adventures, right. um, which feels, which for me makes QK as a, a title like feel like a mixtape. Yes. It, it feels like like that thing where you go in and um, each track, each issue um is like a, a like a banging song that like you accidentally found from that dude who shoved the ten dollar cd right. in your hand that's it uh, like, with that's like with like all of these like dope features and you're like where where did these come from um and i think it was really important um to make every inch of the book kind of feel like that yeah i i mean so jamie's style is is very clearly thought through and very very much like he puts so much time and energy into every aspect of what he's doing whether it be pencils you know inks colors how everything gels together um but he the, he makes it look effortless so it it like imagine that his art is a, yeah like a freestyle but like a freestyle by a killer <laughs> like somebody who was out there like murking people with their words you know this is what got people excited about like biggie and tubark and all you know all these guys i my one of my personal favorites eve who is one of the best freestylers i still hold by that you know like we wanted the book to feel like that and so opening on this like mixtape like kind of vibe was really important to us and it's also just really it just it's dope um so in keeping with that too, uh, we wanted to be cute, and so everyone got <laughs> uh, is credited as as parts of songs instead of uh, as kind of like the traditional comic book like artist writer or whatever. Uh, so, you know, Jamie's beats and that's lines and colors, uh, lyrics slash scripts are Danny and I. Um, the style, which is the design of the book, and the lettering is Ryan Ferrier, and Ryan is also just like doing the book design uh, oh my god he's incredible and his work is very subtle um i liken him a little to a cinematographer whereas like if they're good you don't notice if they're bad holy god and ryan's so good that you do notice but it doesn't distract you from the book yeah. um and so yeah ryan's put in so much work and so much effort and you know i just think that not enough people are talking about Ryan in and, general. And there's so many moments where we were like, okay, cool. Uh, what if we broke the standard style of what lettering would look like here? And like, we're very vague and general about things. And then Ryan just yep. came back and we're like, that's exactly everything we could have wanted and more. Right. Exactly. Um, he's, he's wonderful to work with. Uh, the flow, which is the edits, our editor for this is Adrian Lopes, who is my wife uh bless she is uh, an incredibly important part of this process uh she saves our butts many times many many times and then again the street team the logo uh is tim daniel and i think that his vibe that logo starts off 
the process of getting you into this like freestyle lyrical kind of vibe. Uh, so yeah, that is our title page. So moving into this, um, so this issue, issue number one, is a standalone story in that there, the conflict is mostly resolved within the one issue, but it does seed further story. Um, and one of the things that Danny and I really talked about long before we even wrote the script is we wanted this to feel like a cyberpunk lone wolf and cub almost, this issue in particular. Not like the lone, like, the actual not like the actual graphic novel that came out no like the what was it lone lone wolf and cub 2100 or something yeah uh which is cool which uh, I, I own and love it but um we wanted it to feel so we wanted to build up the legend of the quarter killer in the first couple of pages so that you really believed it later on when they did badass stuff <laughs> and we thought we knew we were going to have a character that was going to be our perspective as readers going into it and we thought having it be a child would solve some problems in terms of exposition because children ask questions all the time so if we needed the child to ask a question there we were but also children view adults almost as mythological figures right so we thought that that that's what we wanted people to feel about qk qk is an idea as much as a person uh and so we actually don't start with uh with quarter killer we start with aya uh, so on page one, uh, where we get the the title of the track, track one, the myth and the legend, uh, we start off with Aya kind of rummaging through the closet in her and her father's apartment, looking for something. We immediately introduce the the hip hop vibe in that all of the sound effects are going to be some sort of graffiti, like that was like. I remember talking to Ryan about it and being like, can we do that? Like, is that, a, is that possible? If not, like, don't worry about it. And he was like, oh yeah, no, there's a hundred percent. And then he went above and beyond in that different kinds of sound effects are different kinds of graffiti. This guy's a genius. Um, so yeah, uh, she's looking for stuff. She's rustling through the closet and we see her tiny robot friend, Sim one, Simone, tiny robot. And, uh, She's found what she's looking for, right? She's found a grip full of coins, which will mean nothing until like the third page or whatever. Um, but we wanted to set up kind of the quest pieces here. Uh, so yeah, the, the first page is about setting up this kind of like search. Uh, so, and yeah, good. Um, it's really, and I feel like I will probably ask Jamie this every time we introduce a new character uh, in this book, but I remember, you know, three three years ago or so when we were first uh, building these characters uh, and Jamie was designing and uh, the many different, ver the very different versions of yeah. uh, these characters that we've gone through. And I was kind of uh, just uh, felt like a good place um, to ask questions about a uh, you designing Aya and Sim One. Aya is uh, sorry. The name of the the little girl. Sorry. Uh, I think okay. with Aya, it was uh, pretty pretty one and done. I don't think I, I did a lot of uh, <clears throat> sketches for her in particular. And same thing with Sim One. It just kind of happened. Or maybe I did a couple Sim Ones. Maybe the the I have all these original. I have all the sketches still. Um, but I think Sim 1 may have started off square, and mm. I just didn't want to draw a cube. 
<laughs> so uh, a lot of a lot of what I do is is just making it so I can draw it several times over and over and over <laughs> again, uh, and and something that I find fun to do. Uh, in this page, I wanted to give them their own panel, devoid of anything else besides the characters. So it really just establishes uh, here here's here's the people we are going to be following for this issue. You know, it's just really stark. It's a just colored characters on a white background. Um, nothing yeah. else in the panel. I, I think that's, it's really smart because the first time we see her face, we can concentrate on her face and, and for both of them. Yeah, there's, there's nothing distracting the eye from, uh, from the figures in that particular panel. So, so as we move forward, uh, last panel on the page is the grip full of coins, and it says in a caption, "I need to find somebody." Um, so that I think that's pretty, pretty simple, pretty cut and dry. The next page, uh, I'll let Danny if you want to take point on this page. Um, so part of what we wanted to really do next was um, give Aya a little bit of a journey on her own um, in for a couple of reasons. One, we wanted to really set in stone that uh, this is a story that takes place in the hood. Um, and the best way to do that was um, kind of twofold. It's Aya um, exploring it and you see the literal stuff. You see, you see, you know, like um, Jamie's got like the classic barbershop there, you know, um, hanging by uh, the fences. But I also feel like one of the important things about my experience growing up in the projects uh and i love how this plays out on the page um is that no one turns her away um that when she when she's exploring when she's asking questions about where qk is um you you feel like she's part of a neighborhood um that she that you know like if she was getting in trouble right here like someone might stop and help you know like whether whether or not they can is a right. different question um but i really like that this exploration for this mythic character is surrounded by a journey where she's clearly met by npcs that would help her yeah um you know um and this is a community and yeah. we wanted to we wanted to show the different kinds of people in the community but also that it didn't matter that they were so different. There is a child who needs help and they're willing to help her. Um, also, I wanted to shout out, Jamie, you just, you keep putting Sim 1 in different places and it's the cutest thing. <laughs> and like, the third <laughs> panel is just peeking up at the reader and it, it's It's like someone is making, is like selfie documenting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's really adorable. Um, I, I like end up constantly saying, um, I love all all of our children equally, but uh, Aya's determined expressions are some of my favorite things. Whenever Jamie sends us pages, yes. I think it's uh, it's it's her faces and then all the nonsense that uh, a later character who's introduced yes. does. Well, and we'll talk about um, him in a second. Um, yeah, to go on that too. So Aya, I we really wanted, and Jamie. It flawlessly does this. We want Aya to set the tone for what we as readers should feel as we're going through this world. And so, you know, in the first panel, she's she's determined and kind of like, not mischievous, but like, yay, I'm like, I'm going on an adventure and you feel that. So like, as she goes through this journey and she's clearly the youngest, smallest person, you're never really afraid for her. 
um, because she's not afraid. And that was really important. We wanted to show that like the places where she is are not what people think they are from the outside. That was, that was, um, one of the reasons, um, like I mentioned, why I love this page is that I remember very clearly living, uh, in the projects, but going to school outside the projects and seeing media about the projects. Um, it actually wasn't in like, there was, you know, a black media that had that representation of it being a community, but it's still something that, um, we we as creators struggle to get people to okay in the in what we create right um and so for me i remember so deeply being a, li- a younger kid and hearing what people thought that that this experience would have been versus what it actually is right. like um like they definitely all would have called my mama if i was running around like this but like <laughs> i I had the experience of being able to run around the projects and ask questions and talk to people. And there were other children who also had that. Right. Uh, and we were not bad for doing that. Um, and there were always people there who were going to watch out for us or, you know, call our mamas if we were acting <laughs> a fool, you know? Um, yeah. And I grew up in the Lower East Side, um, which uh, is not the projects, although my sisters lived in the projects in the Lower East Side. Um, but it was very similar in that, like, there was this idea when I was growing up in the eighties and nineties that like, you didn't go below first Avenue. That was like, unless you were going, unless you're going to get drugs or like something, do something illicit, you didn't go. And it's like, yeah, that's where I live. <laughs> like I grew up there. That's my block. Like you, you have this idea, but you're not part of the community. And so, you know, maybe we don't open up to you because you have these expectations. And so we, again, like it, it seems so simple, right? This five panel page of this kid running around. But to us, this is our, this is part of our love letter to where we grew up. Um, and so Aya, just to, to bring you back into the story, um, Aya is asking, or is asking around because uh, something has happened. And Aya's father has said, if anything like this happens, find this person, they will know what to do. Um, and so, but we're getting this in caption, so we're not seeing what she's actually saying to the people that she's talking to, but they are pointing her in the right direction. Um, but she's speaking to someone else and telling them, that's why I'm here. So the last panel on the page is the front of the rogues gallery arcade, which is the lair of the quarter killer. But before you can get to the quarter killer, uh, you have to... Do you have to meet the the I guess the doorman? It's not the doorman, but essentially, uh, you you have to get you have to get through. You have to get through. That's right. And so one of the things too that was really important to us, just just in general, uh, you know, Danny and I are both queer as well as very brown, um, and queerness is something that we put into our work because it is our experience, and we wanted to talk about queerness in a variety of ways. And we wanted to show that queerness has a place (laughs) in community and in the communities that we grew up in, right? I grew up, again, if you've seen Rent, that was my neighborhood. Uh, So like there was a bunch of queer people running around. Um, And so the first person that I uh, meets and speaks to on the next page, on page three, which we will get into, and I, I, Jamie, I'd love for you to take point on, um, is uh, QK's lover. 
So Jamie, if you want to flip to that third page and kind of take us through, take us through the page. Yeah. Um, so just from a stark difference, this is really when we get into the, uh, cyberpunk look of it, it's been pretty, uh, pretty normal looking, uh, color palettes from, from this until this point. And immediately it gets like neon pinks and purples and blues, uh, for the whole page. And the whole page is black borders as opposed to white, which has been the past couple of times. Uh, so those pinks and purples really pop off of the page. Um, also, there is a uh, so there's a curtain that uh, Lotech, who is uh, Quarter Killer's uh, partner, is in front of a beaded curtain. And I thought, how cool would it be to have a beaded curtain that just displayed an image as opposed to just being a beaded curtain? <laughs> so uh, this actually is. A, a picture of some flowers that I took at a, at a just outside one day and was able to take those, turned it a color, turned it into a, a screen tone. So another kind of a print and just kind of pasted it on top of the whole uh, image. And it really makes it feel like it's, it's, it's that use of the mixed media that is really, uh, prominent in like Jack Kirby did a lot of collage work and it's really cool to see Fantastic Four and like Reed Richards in front of pictures of space. <laughs> and uh, I, I really like looking at that type of work. And uh, so that's really what I wanted to do with, with this book in particular is kind of make it feel like a mismatch of, of things and, and kind of, uh, you know, piecemealing and, and you spend so much time when you're a kid drawing in sketchbooks with that lined paper uh, and, it, and and you don't think of it, but what if I could take that lined paper, uh, I guess, spoiler alert, what if I could take that lined paper and make it a screen tone and just paste it on top of stuff, right? Like that's kind of the, the giving it the look of, of something handmade. Uh, is something that I'm I'm really trying to do, uh, especially with this book. So yeah, that's my two cents on on this page. And uh, then you've got QK. We get the first image of QK in the actual book, and it's just his lips and nose peeking through a curtain. <laughs> we get the hand too. So on this page, we're also setting up the dynamic between. Aya, Lotech, and QK, um, which if, I mean, they are not these people, but character design wise, I really had like Henry Rollins in mind when I was like thinking about um, I, I think <laughs> Lotech. I think the dynamic between low and high was the second thing we came up with. Yeah, the, <laughs> probably. Um, Lotech and high top, which uh, we'll introduce you to high top uh, shortly. <laughs> Lotech's twin brother. <laughs> uh, but yes, but importantly, I, whenever I'm kind of writing low tech, I think what if Wolverine was also kind of cute? Like yeah. that's, <laughs> that's kind of who low tech is. Um, and I wanted to set up very quickly that like, he has this gruff exterior, but he's not, he's actually a very soft person. <laughs> um, but he is very protective of both his home and his people and QK is his person. And so, 
um, you know, even against the child, he's not aggressive towards this kid, but he's like, uh, sorry, we can't help you. Like, um, and so, yeah, but Danny, if you um, I, what was also really important for us, um, this whole, this whole book on a very deep level, um, is about like found family and both found and already existent family, um, and how they coexist. Um, and what was really important to us, um, was making low and QK, uh, an established couple with a, right. that have been together, that they're just, they're grown folk who have settled into that. Um, yeah, they're like super married. Yeah. They're like ultra married. Um, this, and part of this for me, um, is this long kind of history, not just in comics, but in movies and TV um, and, and novels of the story stopping at that point. Right, when they get together. Uh, when, they, when they get together, when they get, once they settle into a relationship that's somehow, that's where the, that unless you inject uh, relationship drama into it, that that's where their story ends. Uh, and it was really important uh, for us, I think, to have, this this married couple at at the center of this adventure where the, definitely they have not slowed down they have not stopped on on any level um and it's it's just about continuing that adventure together yeah exactly uh so yeah so we have low tech spelled real wild <laughs> so that we're not sued by anyone because cyberpunk is small uh telling this girl no you can't you know, we can't help you. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, the princess is in another castle. Sorry. And then uh, Porter Killer coming out and going, no, you, she's cool. We can let her through. Uh, and then we get the best shot. <laughs> the, the illest of splash pages, which <laughs> I, uh, the ink screen. <laughs> when, when Jamie sent this to us. Uh, yeah, the next page is a splash page. It's the first time, if you don't count the cover, that we see QK. Here we see QK in their element, <laughs> which is that that beaded curtain and also a broken down arcade. Uh, they are wearing clearly their house jacket because it is wide open with no shirt underneath. Truly perfect. Um, and is importantly very welcoming. Uh, you know, you expect that the the person named Quarter Killer and the person that is the hero of a book, especially if their mask kind of identifying is going to be very like closed off, and you have to you have to prove yourself or whatever. Uh, and QK is like, hey, do you like hot chocolate? <laughs> hey, kid, like, come on up. Uh, so I think that part of that was just showing wanting to show that even though QK is this kind of badass legend, they are actually here for the people and for the culture, but also uh, QK is wearing a house coat. <laughs> uh, one of the things that, um, and obviously I'm going to pass this off to Jamie in a second, because this is just spotlight on Jamie's awesomeness on this page. But um, uh, one of the things I uh, particularly really loved um is the way that the curtain and the arcade play against each other in this yes that like qk they literally exist uh in this kind of midpoint like between like this high-tech curtain and then like the the rundown arcade and it's it's very much existing exactly in that uh originally kind of uh parodied of like the quarter and the pay phones and stuff that we were talking about, but very comfortable, comfortably existing in that, uh, where like 
they are existing in the middle of this image of technology and this like full classic like 80s arcade and they're in their house coat because this is this is they live here now <laughs> yeah this is their home uh and i i love that that comfort there Jamie, do you want to talk about this page? <laughs> How cool uh, this page is, it was fun. It was weird. Uh, it's it, There's a lot of like double lighting that I did in it. Uh, <laughs> just to kind of get it to, to feel right. Uh, so much of it, and I'm, I'm glad that you guys think that I worked so hard to get that image directly, uh, that, that uh, juxtaposition of the arcade of the eighties and the high tech of now. Uh, I, I really just drew this picture. And then colored <laughs> it. Um, I didn't, I didn't think much more of it. Um, there You're was just naturally brilliant. That's yeah. I think that's well, what it like, is. I think you just the, know the things that I was, uh, I tried really hard on this page was, uh, uh, coloring people of color in comics is, uh, tricky. Primarily because CMYK makes it tricky to do, uh, just just from the actual colors that you can use and and the the subtleness of it. So you see a lot of guys who are uh, colored characters like John Stewart, like the original John Stewart, and uh, e- e- uh, characters beforehand who who are brown uh, don't look that don't actually look brown. Like they just found and cut and paste the brown cell to put on top of it, uh, which uh, we don't need to do that anymore. Printing is, is a lot better than it was back in the eighties. Uh, so it's easy to get away with stuff now. So like I even tried to do subtle things where uh, the palms of his hands are a slightly lighter color. Yes. Than, that's very, uh, yeah. Than the rest of his body and, and really, Things that we can do pretty easily on white people, like if you have a white guy who's been drinking, you can color his nose light red. And it's something we've been doing for years, right? Just to, to give more of a of an actual realism to characters. Mm-hmm. So uh, going through and doing that with this particular image was like, I can lighten up the palm of his hand. I can, the, the lip color is very specific. And, yeah. Uh, it's it's really going through and and uh, finding what works best uh, with the lighting, and that's something that I I did a lot of work on before we actually started the book. Was uh, I made a color palette for the book, but running through the entire palette is just different skin tones that I can use that work well under different lighting. Uh, so I'm never compromising, uh, a certain, a certain tone under a blue light or I'm never, or under a pink light. It should work, uh, in either, in either situation, uh, either outside in broad daylight or in a, uh, cyberpunk, uh, <laughs> arcade. So, yeah, I and guess that's, it definitely that's shows. kind of... <laughs> Yeah, yeah the, it, it was. It it is literally the most work that I did for this project was making that color palette. And, uh, I I think that's really kind of important, and we won't get into kind of like the politics of of um, 
you know, uh, of printing and, and people of color in comics and stuff, just because that's a whole nother conversation. But like, one of the things that, you know, I was glad to work with you on this because I knew a lot, if not most of the characters are of color. And I know that one of the things that you find important is being as accurate as possible in terms of, and respectful as possible in terms of portraying someone in your work. And so, you know, it would have been really easy for you not to do that, but because these characters are black or, you know, a lot of them are, you know, multiracial because that's just what it is. Welcome to New York. Um, you did all of that legwork before we even started because you wanted to keep kind of the integrity of the characters and respect, you know, the subject matter, which is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I hopefully, hopefully the book, it reads, uh, if even if you were looking at it in black and white, it would read what, uh, what ethnicity people are. <laughs> that was kind of something uh, that I, I've, I've really yeah. wanted to to drive home uh, is is this readable and do you see different colors in just pure black and white? Uh, so it's it's and we'll talk about this a little more when we introduce high tech and and uh, high tech and low techs uh, <laughs> high top yeah. high top and low tech <laughs> uh, similarities and uh, and 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 differences. <laughs> when, I, when we get there so. it's a thrill it's wonderful uh, <laughs> true actual fact about this book i don't think i've ever sent vita anything when which i spelled low tech right on the first go it's true <laughs> it's true um i my primary role is not actually to be buck wild in this but to rein it in which sounds wild if anyone here is aware of my social media presence um but you know I wanted to make sure that anything that was taken from an influence and made our own was really made our own. And so like there are nods to lots of stuff in this work. Um, I think one of the things too about cyberpunk that's really actually vital is that it's very referential. Yes. Um, comics in general are very referential, but cyberpunk as a genre is very referential. Um, but you have to really walk the line of, thank you, you've influenced me, but I'm doing my own thing, and I'm just going to take that and put it. Uh, so low-tech is a nod to, you know, William Gibson, but we can't spell it in the way that it has ever been spelled in anything that William Gibson has done, so low-tech is spelled L-O, separate word, T-E-K. Um, yeah. So, like, those silly little things are, like, I've actually put thought into it, I promise. <laughs> that's That's super, super hip-hop, too. Like, <laughs> right we're just yes we're, we're, <laughs> we're sampling so much of this particular book is just like video game references and uh stuff that we like so it all kind of yeah. fits the vibe and it's all a love letter too like and that's really important too i think that we're not this is not a, a smash and grab but it is uh it is about kind of showing thanks to the influences but anyway sorry we we digress uh so page four the splash page is all about actually welcoming the reader into this space and into the story itself um and then you know the next page we roll into the living space of qk and low tech um and we get a little bit about why i well we get the story of why Aya is looking for qk uh so qk you know hands Aya 
you know, a little hot chocolate uh, because that is something that children enjoy and warm things are comforting. And then ask Aya, you know, what's going on. Um, and one thing also that was important for me was that QK treats Aya like a fully formed person, like a younger person, but a fully formed person. Um, and low tech has no idea how to relate to children. And I really wanted that dynamic because they are, they're this married couple and a little bit, they will be kind of their surrogate parents, um, to Aya. And I really love when you have like, you know, parent A and parent B just relating to people differently. And so I wanted to have QK go, well, this is just a tiny human, but it's still a human. Um, I also like, um, and I, I think you you probably brought this in more than than uh, I did be, but like the very intentional QK is not the one that people would think. Yes, that was can do that. Yes. Um, and it's so often that the partner of the of the hero, the superhero, right? Because QK on their, on many levels is a superhero, that their partner is a particular kind of empathetic. Not that Low isn't empathetic, but a very right. particular kind of empathetic and uh is 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 written in there to compensate for the fact that like we that we don't have our superheroes be that necessarily um and i felt like and like i love that you did that because we don't need that they can they can be a couple with different balances yeah and yeah and it was also just important to show that like we want to subvert expectation as much as we can while still being readable and relatable, if that makes sense. And so just having that flip, we're like, nope, the, the superhero is the one that's like really good with kids and their partner, you know, is like, ah, jingle keys. I don't know. You're upset. I don't know what to do. Uh, I just thought that was fun and funny and, and, you know, gently subversive, like nothing like political. It just is what it was. Um, but so you know, we get this explanation uh, from Aya. She says that uh, essentially her father was kidnapped by big, scary goons. Uh, and she was left behind. They only wanted her father. Um, this isn't explicitly put into the script, but it, literally they were just like, she had run ahead, like, you know, six to 10 feet. And so these people roll up and grab him and they don't realize that they are together because they uh, look fairly different, <laughs> which we'll get into uh, later on. Another thing that was important for, for me uh, in particular, being someone that is multiracial was to show that like families look very like, there's no one family that looks the same, but also like you can have parents who look very different from you and you're still family. Um, and so it was, a, you know, kind of a nod to that, that like, Aya is is biracial. Uh, she is black and Japanese, uh, which is also a cyberpunk trope. <laughs> um, but it's usually in the reverse. Usually, the character uh, featured uh, is is not necessarily the black one. <laughs> um, but her father is is Japanese, and so you know, I wanted to show that families aren't also when families are multiracial. It's not always a white parent and another parent. Uh, that was really also very important. Uh, so anyway, uh, Aya is describing what has happened and, you know, we see it kind of through her eyes. So they're, they're amorphous figures. They're very big. They're very scary. She uh, says they knew her father by name. His name is Roland Osaka. Um, and then they disappeared. And uh, she says, you know, if, if dad said that if 
if anything ever happened to him to find you and says this to QK. Uh, and the one, two, three, fourth panel of this page is one of my favorite panels of all time. Uh, just of anything. <laughs> and it's QK drinking hot cocoa from a cup that says best cat dad, which is truly the greatest thing of all time, which has nothing to do with what's going on. But since I saw that image, I I'm waiting for this to drop so I could use it as my <laughs> Twitter avatar. Cause it's so, so freaking good. Um, I just got a cat when I started working on this book. So <laughs> my, my life had changed. It truly changes you to a cellular level to have a cat. Um, but then we also get the, the, uh, the quarters and we get I going, you know, here, here are these things. And we see in the transfer of this simple coin money that they are important. Um, and also I going, my dad told me to remind you to call your mom, which is uh, something that will come in later. But basically here we have this character reminding QK, like family is important. My father has disappeared. Also, you have a mom. Family is important. Um, there's more to it than that, but that's what you get at this point. So QK is amused, and we get, you know, the line, you know, he was always a clever dude. So we know there that QK and Roland know each other personally, not just by reputation. Um, and QK takes the job on this page. So moving uh, I did want to actually, um, so later on, less so in this issue, I think it's a little bit more so in the second issue, um, you really start seeing um, price list, essentially, like like yes. a price range for like for, for jobs for QK. Um, and it's not really explicitly stated here, but uh, Aya has uh, the, the seven quarters and um, also they're glowing, which is awesome. It makes yeah. me... It's Just very like video game, like ah. Um, that that that's a lot of quarters. That is a lot of quarters. Um, quarters are at the premium. Other change, which we don't really talk about, also has value. Uh, but quarters are the only thing physically bigger than quarters are half dollars, right? So yeah. like the quarters are very important, and because they're more common than half dollars, but less common than like nickels and dimes. That that all has kind of value. Um, Plus, all the pinball machines reject when you try to put in uh, pennies. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was all about that video game life. Uh, quarters are the most useful, and so they are the most valuable. Um, so, flipping to the next page, uh, we get low tech immediately jumping in after QK has accepted a job and being like, "Hey, uh, you know, can I talk to you for a second? Like." sidebar with the grown folk like i can't like what is going on and q is completely chill just no fear no zero stress very very chill um so of course it's low tech's job to be stressed all the damn time um and so we get kind of what i imagine like i i thought that we needed a scene in which like someone asks the questions that a reader might have of like, why are you even doing this? Why would you like, who is this kid? You don't know if they're lying, like blah, blah, blah. And so kind of low tech being the more cautious of the two um, is kind of playing that mouthpiece. Um, I love low tech. Uh, so Q assures, basically assures him that it's, it's all good. It's fine. And 
Aya can hear them arguing, which I think is really cute. I just, like, she's super precocious and uh, really sassy, uh, like, uh, even for an (laughs) eight-year-old. Like, she is particularly comfortable in her identity and has kind of led this life where her opinion is valued, and so she is very opinionated, which I like. I want that. I don't want... I wanted this character to be someone that, even though they were a child, had a lot of personality, but wasn't... It was... I wanted to ground that in something that makes sense. And so she's an only child. She's the, you know, her father's only like family that he's in, in touch with. And so, you know, she's, she's used to being taken seriously. And we have low tech here going, this is just a kid. Who the heck is this? Um, but, uh, importantly on this page, we kind of get a discussion about the goons and low mentions. So he says, you know, to Q, uh, Sounds like they were ELE's boys. Um, you know, he may be getting old, but his gang still runs half the hood, which is setting up not just the bad guy for this, but kind of a little bit more of the landscape that they live in. Um, so there is someone who has a lot of power here, someone that it is concerning enough that Low Tech is pulling someone called the Quarter Killer aside and going, I don't know if this is such a good idea. What does that mean for the rest of kind of the neighborhood, right? QK is very confident in themselves uh, and is like, they'll never see me coming. It's fine. Um, and Lo being the voice of reason is like, if they do, if, if you get caught, this is a big deal. What aren't you telling me about this girl? Because you are... You are dead set on doing this, basically, and I don't understand why. And then Q, uh, Q's real cute, and is like, you just gotta trust me. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever had arguments with your significant others where that's the last word, but that's the last word. You can't really argue with that. <laughs> um, but this is, again, this page is kind of about having that conversation that I think people would want to have. And then also giving a little more context to the world and to what they're going into. If this is serious enough that low tech is concerned, then this is actually a big deal. It's not as casual as QK is making it seem. Um, so then uh, Danny, if you want to take this page. Um, so if I remember correctly, part of our discussion here um, was not only the team getting ready but very in a very particular player select sort of way uh we are very we love that image you know like we it's you know it's mortal kombat it's uh street fighter it's it's that beat that we all kind of like grew up with whichever game it was um everywhere you know setting them up not only preparing for a battle but the different ways in which they do it, you know, like uh, you've got Q and their and their case, and they're clearly like electrical uh, weaponry uh, that is very close combat. And on the other hand, you've got uh, you know low uh, with you know the shotgun um, a and a baseball bat because when we you know called him low tech, we meant low tech. Um, in, in- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's that's something too. Uh, we're contrasting low tech both with quarter killer and also later on with with high top. 
um, who is highly technological and is very close, uh, very close. But also, yeah, we're next page. Promise. Next page. I'm just gonna literally be like Jamie, please. Yeah, you're you're taking over the next page. Um, but also, one thing that we didn't explicitly say um, here, but we kind of show throughout this issue and throughout the series, is that low tech builds things. It's not that low tech doesn't use technology of any kind. Low tech just doesn't trust high tech stuff because he knows that it fails a lot. So low tech has a shotgun and a baseball bat because those are pretty low to the ground. And also um, low tech is a hardware guy and Q, I mean, Q is a jack of all trades, but Q is a software guy. Q is a hacker. That's their primary, their, their primary kind of skill set, even though they're also a fighter. And so the way that they will then fight will be so very different. And we, we thought that literally just showing you the weapons would give you that idea. QK has, you know, EMP shurikens and, you know, cattle prod escrima sticks. This, this, you know, QK is no joke, but low tech has a baseball bat. And that's one of the best zombie fighting things I can think of. Um, so anyway, also, yeah, this page is doing a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and from a clothing standpoint, QK has got this uh, longer kind of trench coaty uh, print print laden thing, and uh, Lowe has a flannel shirt that he's got tied around his waist. <laughs> like that was very specific uh, from my end too. Was just like figuring out, you know, he's got a he's got an undershirt on and a. Uh, a flannel shirt tied around his waist, which is still keeping in with that that eighties grunge yeah. music era, but mm-hmm. uh, kind of on a different spectrum than the uh, from the hip hop. Which I love it. I love I love that odd couple feeling, but it also it works because yeah, you need the hacker, you need the software guy, but you need the guy with the baseball bat, <laughs> and. I call that needing a Vita, actually. It's me. I'm a <laughs> And you also need... Uh, actually, before, before <laughs> we get um, this wonderful entrance, uh, I also <laughs> just wanted to be like, I love... Aya is still centered here. Yes. Aya is watching all of this, but the look on her face is excitement. You know? Um, it was really important for us that even though she's coming and she's like, please save my dad, that this is a safe place for her to be that that she that she understands and she is correct in that like it's okay because the cavalry is here um and so she gets to feel excited because in their presence she knows her father's gonna be okay right that was very very important um and i also super love the the use of pink in her panel yes yeah, yeah, yeah you have all of the like the blues and kind of greens around her and then her panel is very it's it's optimistic uh, which I like. Uh, we also get our first view, second to last panel on this page of QK's, uh, is it new view or new vision? I forget what I call them. I literally have to look up every time in the script, what I've called them, but they're imagine it's just, it's hacking gear. It's if you've read any Gibson, it's, you know, a nod to Molly millions and the, the, you know, the shell glasses embedded into her head, except they're not embedded into QK's skull. Oh, it's God. the HUD, <laughs> you know, it's your heads up display. 
it's the hack. It's a very important hacking tool. And so on this page where clearly there is a gun, there are shurikens, there is a cattle prod, there is a, you know, a baseball bat. There's also these glasses because they are as important to QK's arsenal. Um, so it was looking good, actually. Always. <laughs> that, that dope coat is where it's at. Um, so you have the hacker and you have you have the muscle guy uh, and you uh, if you're going out on a mission, you need your driver. And so even though we are seven pages into this book, we have not introduced one of the core cast. And now on page uh, page seven, rather, is where we are eight is where we get my boy high top high top low uh low twin brother they're twin brothers they're twins low tech is also not white he's <laughs> he's black uh <laughs> and it was really uh this is a real thing that happens sometimes where you have identical twins split um and if i've literally seen like a bunch of cases where you have multiracial kids and you'll get even in identical twins expressions uh you know uh phenotypical expressions you know visual expression of their genes where one expresses much more of a caucasian look or a asian look or a black look and the other is the other side and it's really fucking cool so that's how i justified this but really i just wanted henry rollins and chris and chris tucker to be twins (laughs) this was really just like i backed it up with the science but really that's just the dynamic i really wanted on this team um, and so, uh, High Top, which I'll pass this page off to Jamie in a second. Uh, here is High Top with cyber, like a cyber like, fade. Yes, yeah, like a circuit, a circuit board fade, uh, which is now the name of my band. Um, and immediately, the most ridiculous character in the book. There's there's a whole child on this book, and definitely, <laughs> definitely High Top is the most friggin' ridiculous. So I'm going to pass it to Jamie just to talk about this page in general and, and kind of what you did and how you made the choices to the hair. Cause that was not in the script. I don't think I thought, I think we were like, yeah, it's colorful, but Jamie added so much more to this. The, so the hair is something that was, uh, I did in initial sketches. So high top, I don't know if y'all remember was, was a little kid was a little boy. <laughs> I don't remember originally, that, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, originally High Top was a little boy, and uh, so I have tons of sketches of this little boy with just this High Top <laughs> fade that was just all teched, teched out, and then uh, he, he was great. I think he was supposed to be like Aya's foil in the, uh, in the original scripting of it, which was great. Um, and now it's kind of great doing like, I mean, I'm working on issue three now, so just their dynamic is really fun and kind of the same dynamic you guys <laughs> pitched me. Yeah, definitely. He's yeah. still the eight-year-old's foil. <laughs> right, He's right. Which is, Which is one of the reasons Lo is the way he is, because imagine being <laughs> twins with uh, Chris Tucker at 12 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I I cracked up when I saw this page. It brought me so much joy. It was really just like, all right, this is the one, th- this is kind of the character that is is really steeped in this uh, cyberpunk world. Let me be as ridiculous as I possibly can. And uh, why wouldn't you, if, if you have the kind of hair that you can do th- cool things with, <laughs> uh, why, why wouldn't you? I get 
there there are times when I wish I could have a high top fade, and I really just can't. You know? <laughs> so, so it's stylistically it was just like you know I really wish I could do this. This is really fun. <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, so I just I went crazy. I like, um, too, that he has, like, a fishnet tank top to contrast with Lowe's regular kind of, like, I don't know, Wolverine tank top. I think that's yeah. hilarious. Also, third issue, full-blown skirt. Like, he wears a full-blown yeah, skirt. Yes. It's it's an fanny uh, pack. He is... That <laughs> outfit... I love the fanny pack. I know this is... We're talking about, like, this issue, but I need you to know that... The third issue <laughs> is like the flyest thing. Yeah, it's real free and smooth. And so on this page, uh, we get impatient, uh, high top, honking the horn. Hey, let's go. We got places to be. Uh, and uh, uh, can can we talk about the the lettering and the honking for yes. like a, a quick second <laughs> on this? I don't know what Ryan was thinking, but the <laughs> the leaving out of the O. <laughs> For the honking, or it's just huh, huh, like, is is uh, perfect, but also the balls on Ryan to be a letterer and take take the vowel out. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a real baller move. And it feels really. It it feels right. Um, also, this is this was the first uh, lettering that I saw in the whole book, I think, was this particular page and <laughs> this and this graffiti art um, for it. And I'm the kind of guy, I uh, there's a reason why I pencil ink and color. I have a very hard time not doing everything on the page. Mm-hmm. I have a very yeah. uh, specific vision of what I want the thing to look at. When I saw this lettering, I was like, okay, great. I don't do any any sound effects lettering, which is normally what I do something on the page, but Ryan, uh, really kills it. And, uh, just shouts out to shout out to him for, for just being like, no, Jamie, you don't have to do this part. I got you covered. <laughs> yeah. Even and, uh, like the K is like tipped forward. How, and how stuff. cramped it feels, feels like the way my skin feels when someone's leaning on the horn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it really works. <laughs> It works really well. And then the thump, thump at the bottom. It, I love it. Just, it just, he, he really kills it. Also, uh, just talk, while we're talking about Ryan, uh, I've worked with Ryan once before on uh, A Constant Distraction, which was a backup story we did for Violent Love th- for Image. Uh, and Ryan always knows exactly where to put lettering. Yeah, yeah. I don't... Uh, I'm also very particular on where lettering goes and I, and I letter myself a lot uh, because of it, but he always puts it where in my thumbnails I put out the lettering. Yeah. Uh, so he, he, he really just is an extension of, uh, of what the art should be. And uh, yeah, I trust, I trust him to do the, the work. Uh, yeah the way I would want it, the, the way I see it in my head. Uh, he's, he's a really great letterer. Uh, he's also a really great writer. Yes. But he's, he's really great at just figuring out and, and design his design sense is really strong. Absolutely. So. And, and I think that like, I know that he 
puts a lot of work into it. So I don't want to say talented, but like for the shorthand of very skilled and puts a lot of work into it. He's incredibly talented. He's incredibly thoughtful um, about everything that he's doing, whether it be like he did that title page. That was his design stuff. Um, that wasn't Jamie. Um, the art yeah, is yeah. Jamie's, but you know, we gave him an idea and that's what he brought us and it was perfect. Um, so yeah, we have, we have high top being imp- very impatient. Low is already in the car. Q is helping Aya into the car. Again, we wanted to show that like QK is much more comfortable with children than low tech is. Sim one. Sim one, who is truly just the most precious baby, uh, is like, you know, tink, 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 tink into the car. Uh, and we get a little bit of kind of a description of how they're going to find Roland because that wasn't the important part. The important part was getting QK on board. Once you have QK on board, just know that they are the best at tech. They have the best tech and they have the best team. It's much more about uh, getting them to do what you want them to do and then setting up the problem so that you can watch them kind of take it down. Doesn't mean that they're perfect. Uh, people get hurt more and more and the challenges become mo- more and more difficult, but we wanted to set up in this issue, especially how badass uh, Q is. Um, so, second to Also, we can blow through the next few pages pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, just wanted to point out my favorite writing my favorite line from this issue is on this page and it's all aboard this janky ass car <laughs> I, I laughed out loud when i read the script uh, and i it was just too funny too good. i mean next up that money is just it may be the best thing i've ever read yeah <laughs> it, it really is and uh chris tucker if you listen to this uh please voice the character in our animated movie <laughs> Definitely heard it in Chris Tucker's voice. Uh, that's the only way. That's the only way it's. That's the only way it is read. Um, um, yeah, when uh, I know V was talking about like waiting till this comes out so that they can use panels from this issue. <laughs> that this that panel the with with the thump thump is uh, is the one I'm waiting for in this. It just felt like I wanted to, and and we all did, Jamie especially uh, doing the hard work here, but. Um, to show how very different this family is and 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 how they get on each other's nerves but also how they work together and i thought well qk is cool and calm and collected and very sleek and very like conserves energy until it explodes out low tech is just made of like a ball of anxiety uh <laughs> like you know like super stress all the time i you know who but also isn't particularly kinetic who's the person that can't sit still who's the jittery one who's the one that run their mouth right uh and the answer who's me yeah uh, who's standing? <laughs> and the answer is clearly high top right you have to have somebody on the team that explains why the other ones are so stressed all the time <laughs> that is definitely high top whom i love who truly i don't have any favorite children but like uh, but anyway so we get we get the final piece of our team we get our driver, uh, who's also a musician, which will come in 
in a later kind of story, but like just he's that guy. He's exactly what he looks he's like. He's the guy who goes next stop that money and is your driver. Yeah, and like he's definitely in everything and everything that that contains. Um, right. Everything's a paycheck. Yeah. He calls his own car a janky ass car. Like that's who he is. Uh, I love all the issues equally, but I think the uh, opening of the second issue is <laughs> we do our best. Um, um, but anyway, so we'll, we're going to try and get through this so we don't hold up the re- listeners, not readers. Um, so the next page is an introduction of Sim 1, who has been here the whole time, but I wanted to give Sim 1 their own little, or her own little introduction. So, uh, and it's also kind of setting up low-tech, trying to, uh, trying to bond, not bond with Aya, but trying to connect, because clearly Q has so smoothly connected, and Lo isn't cantankerous on purpose Lo isn't trying to be like kind of dismissive or mean to this kid and so he's trying to figure out kind of they fit but I is already over him um so yeah uh, just panel one I buckles sim one in I just need y'all to know that that is adorable and very important and uh Someone's glare. Jamie, thank you for <laughs> this adorable little I can hear creature. the 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 oh, whirling yeah. noise of the eyeballs glaring, which is really cute. Um but we get, you know, this is Sim One. Uh it's a girl robot because you very rarely see girl robots that don't have boobs. And that was important. Not that girl robots with boobs are bad, not what I'm saying. I'm just saying girl robots comes in all shapes and sizes uh and then also importantly uh we get a little tidbit about aya this is you know this is sim one like simulation one she's the first bot that me and daddy got to work right so aya is a builder um which comes into play later but also is just something that i wanted to give her because I didn't want her to just be this like, oh, I need help. And like, that's her only role. Like, no, she she tinkers, she makes things. This is her friend, but she also made her friend. This is something also that her and Lo can connect it, over. It's like, QK does it more naturally in terms of dealing with kids, but like, Lo, like in terms of the sorts of roles that uh, Aya would play on a team, like yeah. it, it is Lo. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. like, what is it? One of my favorite, uh, Whenever I, I look at this page and like think about their interactions, I think of like one of uh, there's one episode of Leverage where um, you it's like the episode about chess and you mm-hmm. find out that it's like Sterling's daughter is involved. Um, and it's like every time they use every, what that show does really well is every time there's a kid that like actually encounters the team the kid feels like they could fill a spot on the team in, in 10, right. 15 years. Um, that you see, you you always see uh, the leverage team member that they would become right. uh, very clearly. Yes. Uh, and I really liked uh, how, how you kind of established that on this page. Um, and it was also important to me too, to show that I, uh, like black girls don't get to make robots a lot uh in in media like we get that more and more which you know shout out to you know you know moon girl and devil dinosaur and all you know a bunch of characters actually marvel like Ironheart and stuff like that's really cool uh i want to add more of that i'm all about adding more things that girls can do that you know femme people in general can do not just girls but people that would identify with this character um and so you know making her a builder is kind of just it's kind of cool uh another thank you for that second to last panel and the hilarity that is uh the skirt (laughs) uh more sound effects um we also here get 
Um, in the last panel, we learned that High Top is in fact a uh, low tech brother, <laughs> which is good times. <laughs> uh, the next page is a little bit exposition heavy, but this is just like, this is the scene in which it makes the most sense to drop exposition. Um, so we get why quarter killer is called quarter killer because they take payment only in the form of quarters. And then we establish that like money is no longer physical. Um, in this world, we establish that uh, you can use money in ways to stay off the grid, um, which is very important to QK. Um, part of the reason that low tech is so protective when people come to the arcade looking for QK is because they are trying to be off the grid but they are also open in that they're trying to help the community. And so it's kind of like this balancing act. Um, we get that Roland also had, he had the quarters because it was the, the run fund in case something bad happens. Um, but I, doesn't understand because there's just worth, worthless pieces of like metal. Um, uh, I also, uh, it was important, you know, talking about Aya not like, the way that you form Aya as a, as a child, when she doesn't understand something, it's not because she's a, like a dumb kid. It's because it is something that is very particular and specific to this scenario and this world in the way that she's, she, it makes sense because even an adult in this situation would be like, well, why quarters? Right. And, and also too, uh, something just to keep in mind with kid characters and with I in particular, children are pretty logical. Uh, in fact, they have to be because they, they've come into this world and they don't know all the rules. And so they form their worldview in a very concrete way. This means this, this means that. Children are actually better at grammar than adults. They lose that as they get older because they incorporate the rules and work from there. And so this is a thing that is completely turning on its head what she understands about how money works um, or capital, right? Because it's not, it's not money anymore. Um, and so, you know, it was a little thing, but I thought it would be, like you said, important to show that like, she's not, oh, we can't dismiss her as just being this dumb kid. It's this, this doesn't make sense in the world that I have lived in. Um, also our cyberpunk future still has bodegas. A hundred percent. Very important. Bodegas, bodegas forever. Uh, <laughs> the next page, uh, they get to where they're going. I love what uh, you did on this page, Jamie, just in terms of like the beats. Uh, I think I described something in issue three recently as like the trailer page for, yes. for the issue. And this feels like it, you know, like the, the very particular way that uh, you laid out the beats and how they feel um, yes. feels very much like, you know, this, this is what we're getting here. And this is also, uh, we see, uh, Low and Q kind of having a moment together, which this is a book that's pretty fast paced and kind of like jam packed full of stuff. And so we wanted to find places where we could show like, hey, they're a married couple. They love each other. They're, you know, they're about to go, you know, Q's about to go do something dangerous. Low is worried, but also trust Q. Um, and so, we, you know, this, this sustained eye contact, the like foreheads against each other. It's pretty classic, adorable. We're both badasses, but like, I love you kind of uh, staging a behavior. Uh, annoying their story child by telling her to sit still. Right. Uh, we also, uh, you know, I was staying in the car. Uh, and this, uh, this, I just, uh, just to signify a shift is the, uh, 
is the part in this particular story where it turns to like black coat mm-hmm. uh, cyberpunk. Yeah, I was about to yes. call the panel. Uh, I was like, this is QK's Batman panel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The last panel of the page. 100%. <laughs> The bat is roosting. Yeah. Uh, it's the, okay, we've tucked the kid away safely. Uh, now I play now. Yeah, time to go to work. Um, and it does. The shift, is, and I don't, I didn't want to like, I don't want to put anything on you, Jamie, but like, uh, in, in a good or a bad way, because you can only, only, you can tell me kind of what your intention was. But when I was reading through it, when it was in full color, it felt very much like you were making a statement of like, the world that they're from in this like, arcade and in the neighborhood it's like colorful and it is you know it's it's warm and all these things when qk goes to work it's stark and the lighting is cold and you know things are that feels much more noir like which is part of what cyberpunk is but like even the way that the like the inking looks changes a little bit it changes almost from it's it goes from soft to hard. Um, yeah, yeah, it, uh, that that is uh, completely intentional. Uh, that's what you can do, and why I think comics are so great is the the ability to cartoon in certain moments. The line work is uh, handwriting, right? Like you can physically say that it was a dark and stormy night, right? <laughs> without saying like and and add and add the the feeling to it as opposed to just having it be a uh, just text on a page or just like Times New Roman, you know, like you actually can do something and uh, that represents the feeling uh, more so than just it being written on a page. So yeah, the, the line work does change. It becomes much, much more bold, bold lines and, and much more, uh, the, the colors are different and everything. I'm a huge talk about uh, just influences. I'm a huge Will Eisner fan and a huge spirit fan. And that's a book that changes its uh, feel kind of every seven pages. They come, to, it came out in seven page issues and every seven pages, you're kind of getting a different story and the line work changes uh, accordingly. So that's something that I have kind of really assimilated into what I do on a page to page basis, you know? And it, it feels that way. I think that the shift, the shift happens on that page, on page mm-hmm. uh, uh, 11. And, you know, we know that we are entering a different section, a different level, if you will, um, in this game. Um, it also, it also makes the book feel longer. You yes. know, when when uh, when comic books cost as much as they do now, and and uh, just kind of story is a premium, just giving the author something that challenges them or makes them feel like they're picking up something again mm-hmm. is uh, I like I like as a reader to be like, oh, every three pages I'm getting a new scene, or oh, the art style's changing a little bit. Uh, it, yeah, it helps. It helps uh, engage and make you feel like you're not wasting your money. It, it also slow. I think it slows things down in, in a good way, not in a readability way, but like you are more aware of yourself yeah, reading yeah. 
like the book. Um, right, right. So yeah, I, I think that you you pull that off masterfully. Um, so the next page, page 12, uh, we are now in the perspective uh, or following Roland and we get to see kind of what's going on and we get um, and it's a bad scene. It's a muy bad scene. Um, and just, I mean, here we basically get that they want something from him. They want him to do something for them or else they will kill him or hurt his daughter. Like there, I'm not going to get too much into the specifics of like the dialogue, but it's, he wakes up and people are trying to get him to do something that he does not want to do something that he used to do. Um, so we get in the next page as well. Also like this is, again with the tonal uh change um i very you know like it is very specifically we 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 tuck aya in essentially uh, on a story level and then the story gets very brutal like yeah. immediately much more brutal. um and it was really important that like uh, although aya comes back into the story uh in a couple of pages that this is not something that she has to see right we don't want um, her to see this and you know but like the reader does but that doesn't need, mean that we need to uh tell a story that traumatizes the child involved exactly um and so on page 13 um we get a little bit more into it uh roland helped make a security program and they want him to crack it for their boss which we established is ele this person a uh, leader of this essentially gang that rules half the hood um and Roland responds, you know, I was one of three people that wrote the program. They isolated us and had a fourth code, uh, a fourth guy integrate the code, probably for this reason. So he's like, I literally cannot. I'm a piece of this puzzle, which is very convenient, right? <laughs> uh, he, he got out of this life uh, specifically so he wouldn't have to deal with this. And, you know, that's, they also say that, right? So it's, uh, you know, you mean to tell me that the golden child can't crack his own program? Like that seems like nonsense. Um, you know, when you ran uh, with with us, there wasn't anything you couldn't hack. Um, and Roland just, he's like, I can't. Um, and part of it, I mean, he could probably hack it for them. It would take time, but he could do it. But he doesn't, he doesn't want to. Um, and so we get a little more explanation as to why they want him to hack it. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the mayor owes our new employer uh, and he's being difficult. The skeletons on this server will help make him see things our way. You crack this and you can be out for real this time. Um, and if you fail, then we'll see if your kid likes foster care. So they're threatening both to kill him and also just that they'll know where his kid is. And then we head into uh, the fight scene. Which I don't Hell know. Yeah. yeah. Danny, you wanna or Jamie, you wanna pick it up? Uh I mean, I'm just gonna speak quickly and then give it over to um, Jamie, because uh very much the way Vita and I script combat scenes are is uh fairly loose, especially when working with Jamie, where Jamie just thinks about space and design in a way that like I think we're both in agreement that we could just we're we're not at that level. Like that's 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 not what we're statted to do. Um and um so it's very loose like these are the beats that we want to uh, hit um and then oh as long as it ends this way 
um, that's golden because this is the things that are going to carry into the next scene. But uh, beyond that, you just do you and we're going to uh, figure it out. And very, very early on when we were discussing things that we want to do um, in the book in general um, was about most of the issues uh, to a very strong degree have a, um, if not a video game itself, a type of video game in mind uh, when we're uh, building these, um, uh, kind of a tribute uh, in the same way that, I mean, not the same way, obviously, but like, um, this is the ballsiest thing I've ever said. So I'm just gonna <laughs> roll with it. Like, you know, like when you were reading, for example, like say Planetarian, each issue, uh, especially in the first like two thirds is a very explicit love letter to a different genre. Um, and in a lot of ways, um, we have all these different influences and they, they tie into every issue, but the most explicit way we did that was with, uh, retro video games throughout the whole thing. Um, and we, we reference it before this, you know, we hint at it, we have the arcade and then we just literally have QK just starts messing with them. <laughs> and, uh, and what's important is also he, uh, they're so badass that they have the space, right? They have the space to mess with these dudes because they're not worried. Uh, and you see that just that 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 blue light that is theirs, like, you know, going out and then you've got choose your fighter. And now I pass it off to Jamie. Right. And if Jamie, if you want to take us through the like the next couple of pages and just talk about what you did, that'd be dope. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, perfect so perfect. Uh, so I definitely love when when the fight scenes are just given to me and it's just like, hey, just do your thing. Uh, just a little bit of background on me. I have a theater background, but also have in that theater background a fight choreography background. So I've done a lot of fight choreography. I think about this a lot in in sword fights and stage combat and, and stuff like that. So I uh, approach a lot of this stuff from a, if this happens, then this happens. Then, you know, if, if I go to punch a guy and he ducks well his position in the duck needs to influence his next strike at me kind of uh, kind of feel so yeah we just start off uh qk turns the lights blue to orange which is the same color as his his goggles and then he just goes to town on attacking these guys uh so that's going to the next page um there's a really cool, fun, thin panel up top uh, on the next page, and it's uh, in in the screens. It says "Go home and be a family man," which is Guile's insult from Street Fighter <laughs> Two, um, <laughs> which I was just like, I just got to find all of the best insults from, uh, from video games, and "Go home and be a family man" is the funniest, um, especially then, in context of Roland. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And uh, so the guy, uh, the the bad guy shoots and misses, and there's a small little uh, dog with a duck on his head giggling, <laughs> which is clearly Duck Hunt. Um, and then uh, I think his name's Bird, so he has like a hooked nose. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, that's that's to right. me, they're just mindless goons that have <laughs> names uh, to attack Quarter Killer. And. Uh, so he jumps up from the back and then uh, QK flips uh, flips bird. <laughs> but it is uh, specifically Ryu flipping Baka. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> like that face. It is, 
I like talk about sampling and, and <laughs> really kind of going hard on the, uh, the, uh, video game references. That was something that I r- wanted to put in the script immediately. I, like, <laughs> I need to find, I need to find the place that works perfectly. Um, <laughs> the next page we flip back and we, we see, uh, uh, low tech, and Aya, and it's kind of a back and forth cut, cutting back and forth, uh, kind of a scene. We find out that, uh, Sim one has been sent into, to, to follow QK and Aya is watching on her iPad, I guess, uh, and, uh, can see everything that's going on. Importantly, it's a heat scan. So again, we didn't want, like, there's some real violence happening here. And so I was like, how do we get eyes in there without getting too much in there? So just, sorry, interjecting. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then they're just kind of talking and we're flipping back and we're seeing fight scene and we're going to the next next thing. Uh, Quarter Killer just goes and uh, cracks a guy with his... Uh, Billy Club, and then gets probably the most brutal thing I've ever drawn. (laughs) Uh, Sticking his, his, uh, his electric Billy Club in a guy and just like electrocuting him. (laughs) Um, And then we get a, another video game (laughs) reference as quarter killer sees uh, Roland uh, in a chair. He's been shot and it says uh, "Wizard is about to die," which is a gauntlet yeah. reference. If I remember correctly, when even before like the fight scene was like fully scripted, that you, that you were like, "I got to get this in." Yeah, like that was I. Like, have, I remember I, that being like one of the first jokes that you were like, "I gotta." Yeah, I, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I love gauntlet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, "Wizard is about to die." Uh, I want to do a print that says wizard needs food badly. And it's all of the <laughs> characters eating ramen. Uh, that, please do. That can be a back matter, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so just it's stuff like that. I, I really, there are certain video games that I have a, a, a big affinity to. Uh, and uh, then quarter killer gets like cracked in the head and breaks his, his uh, headset or goggle set. And uh, we go to the next page is I, trying to escape from the to go see her dad who's been shot she finds out her dad's been shot and and, uh he wants to go she wants to go uh save him right that's logical uh and then i think this was the first page that i colored was yeah what page is this 20 Uh, page 20 yeah something like that 18 um and it was the first uh kind of use of the uh, screen tone, like the noise screen tone just on top, so of, his, on, on top of his headset was something that I was really uh, interested in figuring out how to do. Um, a lot of this stuff has been uh, trial and error, just me figuring out how comic, how this will work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so most of this book, I spend a, a few weeks inking and penciling the book, and then the rest of my time allotted on coloring, because uh, there's a lot of things that I try to do in the coloring. Uh, and then we get the final uh, finish him, which is clearly <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Uh, 
What yeah. I love about this, and it also has to do with the lettering, is Ryan puts the raw over the finish him, and it <laughs> feels so good. You don't need to. We don't you, you need know. to see it. You know what it says. Yes. It. it uh, <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, "Ah, you, you genius!" Uh, <laughs> and it makes it more brutal. Like everything really about does. that lettering. Yeah, I love the way that he outlines the letters with the bubble instead of just doing one circle. Like, and then yeah, the way the yeah. tail kind of trails down. You're just like, "Oh, that's that's rough." It's super. <laughs> it's super super good, right? It feels like the combination of you guys in that moment, and it's particularly wonderful because there are no actual characters seen in it. Yes, is that. The, the what happens off panel what you're showing it's just like you f- you feel the mistake was made <laughs> and it's just like um it's the oh you thought you destroyed his their equipment you've only made them stronger yeah um, <laughs> and and it's such it's, <laughs> it's the moment that like you're like oh oh god i'm glad i didn't see that <laughs> right right yeah i'm i'm not a uh, for for me personally, I'm not a big like blood and gore kind of mm-hmm. guy, right. and uh, having things happen off panel always just suggests for me uh, probably I can probably think of a more gruesome way that this happened and not have to see it. Uh, right. But the second you show it, it takes away kind of your imagination, and uh, if you are a big blood and guts kind of guy you probably can visualize something completely different than me right and, it's uh, the, whatever like, your worst case scenario is that's what's happening exactly, exactly it's exactly. it's uh it's john it's john wick the story this the one sentence story descriptions of what he's he's done in the past <laughs> oh yeah like whatever you're coming up with like is just as good if not better than what you're actually seeing on the screen and it also works really well that like there's this big balance of we do have a child, like an eight-year-old involved in this. Uh, right. And um, it gives the reader the feeling of if we didn't see it, then she probably didn't see it. Right. And like, it's that, it's that, it's that good balance of uh, keeping the child in the story without making it a really, a really terrible idea for them to keep the child around. Right. And yeah, it's 100%. also true. This isn't true for each issue, but Aya is very much the perspective character here we are introduced to everything through Aya. And so that is kind of in the back of your mind, a through line. And so, yeah. Um, All right. Uh, So moving on, uh, that fight scene was freaking phenomenal. I, I love it so much. Um, Honestly, I was like, we could just do a 22 page fight scene, right? Like, (laughs) don't worry about the story. It's like, it's, I love how you managed to make every, every one of those references is funny and terrifying. Yeah. Like, you know, um, like not to talk about other comics but like one of my favorite like like deadpool beats of all time <laughs> is uh him walking into a room where like uh his friends are in that he's locked them in and he's been nightmarish and the joke right there is he does the 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 lucy i'm home yeah and so it is it is a joke it is a joke you laugh at it you laugh at every reference but the existence of these jokes like is just like oh no that that's just the level that we're working with that there's space to tell these jokes because their QK is just that good at what they do yeah it's a just it's a really nice juxtaposition I think um, 
so we cut from the fight scene to a hospital where Roland is recovering. Uh, there, something very important to me was not killing the black kid's parents uh, with a gun. Yes. <laughs> I was just like, this has been done before. That's not the point. The point, um, you know, was was to show kind of the danger and all that kind of stuff and, and how sometimes your chickens come home to roost when you do bad things, but it wasn't to punish Aya. Uh, and so Roland is recovering. He's in the hospital um, and he is also- sleeping. Also, Aya's arc becomes something very different if she has to wrestle with that right. uh, in a way that uh, interacts with other adventures in a very different way. Yes. Um, which um, you particularly see it, I think, in issue two, almost more so than any yeah. place else, that like the heart of this is is very much the family. Yes. Um, and, <laughs> um, and so those characters, like Aya... Aya is surrounded by love and comfort. Right. Um, and and also, it, uh, you know, there's something about preserving a little bit of her childhood, even though she lives in a world that is very dangerous uh, and precarious. You know, everything is precarious, but like her dad is okay. And so the world is still okay, um, which is not something that all of us have the like luxury of having. But I wanted to preserve that for her in particular. Um, yeah. So, uh, right. Roland is awake. I asleep. Uh, Q is visiting Roland in in the hospital. And Roland's like, I didn't think you would come. Uh, and QK is like, yep, the price was right, you know. Um, and then QK is like, we had a deal. I erased you from the grid. I get you off the grid, and I set you up nice, and you leave. Why are you still in the city? So we get a little bit more about their background together, and um, kind of. Uh, of the fact too that Roland is taking chances that he shouldn't be taking um, and that he was captured and that's unfortunate, but he shouldn't have been there to begin with. Um, and he is putting Aya in danger. Um, and then get this moment where Roland is like, I, I couldn't bear to leave Quentin. I know it was stupid, but she's still buried here. You know, I thought the facial recognition uh, reconstruction would be enough as long as we stayed away from his part of town, his being yelly. And then QK responds with, ain't you heard, you know, it's all his part of town now. Um, so there's something here that's keeping Roland here and that is as important to him as anything else, um, whatever this loss is. We assume correctly, I would think, that it's Aya's mother, but, um, you know, they have this moment Um and then it, it it's kind of made more explicit on the next page. Uh, also notably that uh, QK um, returns uh, well over half the coins. Uh, I pointed out that there was the seven before because uh, returns uh, like four of them um, because of, uh, as you keep reading, you know, the, the story, like clearly uh, that you owe it to her mother is, is, it's not just that QK did a job for Roland. It's not that just that they knew uh, Roland, but that they clearly knew um, the family uh, yeah. pre-Aya. Um, and that's one of the things that uh, QK was not telling Lo at the beginning. Right. Um, and so, and QK is also still being protective here. Right. Um, like it's the job's, the job's over, but the connection is still there. Um, and we also kind of set up, um, why Aya is a character for the next, uh, 
right the rest of the series uh that you know roland is going to be okay but roland has to recover right um which is why aya ends up spending uh so much time with the crew um and then we actually establish officially at the end of the page uh what qk's uh relationship to the family is right and that is that aya is his niece uh qk is related to aya's mother and that's why they have I mean, they help people and that's what they do, but they have a particular interest in Aya because they are family. Um, and by extension, Roland is family, even though they are not related to each other. Um, that look, We just keep hammering yeah. that home because that is the point. Yeah, uh, V and I uh, in particular both come from very uh, sprawling families <laughs> in different ways. Um, on, on my end, it was that both of my parents had lots of siblings, so that meant lots of cousins. Um, and, you know, lots of cousins means lots of people who have married into the family, right. you know, like in their family. And this idea that th those lines don't, like sometimes they get cut off, but sometimes they don't. Right. Uh, and sometimes the ones that you think got cut off, like uh, the door opens back up. And that's very much the kind of world that we wanted to, to build uh, in QK. Um, that kind of community tends to be really a reoccurring thing in the stuff that I write. Like, I, that was really important um, when I was writing uh, Queen of Bad Dreams, right. the, the idea of the community as family um, and what that actually means for those characters in a very real way. And, and for me, you know, I grew up, I had a lot of cousins as well, um, but I have a lot of siblings that are either, you know, related through one parent or the other, or that we took in. Um, you know, my house was like a boarding house, basically. If you needed somewhere to go, you you came to us, and that's where you stayed. And my mother was everybody's mom. Um, and so for me, um, even though Roland and Q aren't specifically blood related, they do share this relation, and they also share a history, and that makes you important. It doesn't matter what your blood is at the end of the day. Family is not just that. Um, QK is as concerned for Roland as for Aya. Um, he or they just express it differently because Aya is a child and Roland is an adult that has responsibility. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, it's the idea of what family looks like is something that I really wanted to challenge here. Um, I wanted, you know, it, it's funny that the idea of Henry Rollins and, and, you know, Chris Tucker being twins, like that's, that's pretty hilarious, but also like families can look like that. Family can look like a niece and, you know, an uncle and a, you know, their partner and, 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 and the brother-in-law and the brother-in-law and, and, you know, whatever, like those are in, as important but also as nurturing i think um and there'll be more and more characters added to this family um but we really wanted to establish here a, a couple of things and that was one of them that like family can look like this um so in the next page we've left the hospital and we've gone back to the rogues gallery and uh, uh lo is working on something tinkering with something using a hand solder uh and i is showing up behind him and he's like you know what are you doing down here in the in, in his workshop do you need anything and and i is very sad and says you know it's it's sim one she got damaged when i sent her out she's broken and it's my fault this this is kind of touching a little bit on on what happened to her dad but also just like a little bit about what happened to aya here too where like a part of her world is broken and she wants to fix it and this person's going to help her do that um and so lo 
without even looking back, he's finding his rhythm of kind of interacting with Aya. And he's like, you know, the tools are over there. Stay out of this red drawer. It's banned, blah, blah, blah. Um, and she being a kid goes for it. And he's like, I mean it. He has like dad eyes where they're not looking at you, but like they know what you're doing. Um, and Aya pulls up and kind of sits at the workbench with him. And uh, Lo says to her, you know, number one fixer rule is nothing's ever broken beyond repair. Just sometimes it has to become something else is all. And he's talking about family. He's talking about, you know, your worldview. He's talking about you. Sometimes things happen to us that completely shift something about us, whether it's physical or mental or emotional, but that doesn't mean you're broken. That just means that you've changed. Um, and Aya says, you know, hey, Lo, uh, Lo says yes, and she just says thanks because she understands that he he doesn't, he's not a squishy guy, <laughs> but she is very grateful and she wants to relate to him in the way that he is comfortable relating to people. She is a particularly intelligent child in terms of being emotionally intelligent. <laughs> Um, and then we get the last page, which uh, I don't know who wants to take this one, but um, I mean, I'll just kind of like go over it quickly, but then I really would want to pass it to Jamie because like this is <laughs> introduction of new important characters, but right. also like how the, the feel of this is really different. Um, so it was important for us that while this is a, a pretty self-contained adventure that uh, starts up the entire um, series that we establish at the end kind of the things to come um and the one of the things to come is um kingston and becky 3000 <laughs> becky 3000 who was once called tay tay uh but that was it was not good enough uh becky 3000 is maybe the greatest name i've ever come up with in my career and i don't think i can top it uh just putting that out there i'm not usually particularly proud of myself because i have crippling like self-doubt but becky 3000 is hilarious um but yeah, so we are introduced to the big bads of at least this arc. And they are a man named Kingston Pin. <laughs> uh, you just say the name a couple of times and you get where we're going uh, with that. And, um. and his right hand, Becky 3000. Uh, and uh, Jamie, if you want to talk about this page and kind of the character designs and anything else you want to talk about, please. Yeah, uh, I mean... Becky 3000. It's a lot of, uh, there's a big shoulder pads. I don't know why <laughs> that's a very Taylor Swift thing, right? Big, big shoulder I think pads. so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, here's, here's again, another print, but it is not a, it, it is just straight lines. It's a pinstripe print, which is, uh, very white. <laughs> 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 so like there's uh, nothing about this i don't love uh -huh. yeah it's just very just uh, uh this, this whole scene is very generic and very uh color wise it's it's in pinks pinks and uh magentas which is not a palette that is uh used there's no neons in it um it's it's something a little more traditional as as it comes to comics. It's in a six panel grid. It is uh, something again where backgrounds are all in one single color, so it has a very uh, the background's not important. 
what's important is the setup of these characters kind of feel to it. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's really what I, uh, what I have for, for this particular page. I love this style of comics though, where you get a full 21 page story and then page 22 is set up for the next issue. It's that's my favorite kind of comics. Cause it feels like I got something and now it wants, now I want to read the next issue as opposed to I read something and now I have to read the next issue to, to get part two of this story. Yeah. Um, I, we really wanted to avoid the traditional cliffhanger if we could. Um, yeah. And, and it really feels like that. And uh, it's great. It kind of just adds to the, you know, it, it feels like uh, the the book is monetarily worth it. I you know, I mean, I love telling stories like that very specifically because, um, so, as a very anxious consumer and creator of media, um, all almost all of my favorite shows, uh, be they Supernatural or Heist uh, or Spy, are all very moder- modeled after the the Monster of the Week format. Uh, you've got Leverage, Psych, Burn Notice, um, you know, Buffy, those things where, yes, there are overar- uh, overarching plots um, or Xena, you know, like, right. but each episode, most episodes are single standalones. You can watch them and be satisfied. There may be times where there's an overarching story that drags you into the next one. Um, but it also then makes when you do have a cliffhanger so much more important. Right. Um, it like it. I, I love the cliffhanger, you know, to a certain extent, because I'm, I just like getting hyped at every little thing that happens. <laughs> um, but you, if you always have the cliffhanger, then you're, then it you're cut power. Right. Yeah. Uh, but if you then very carefully uh, deploy the cliffhanger, then it's like the, the story feels so much bigger. Yeah. Uh, so doing it this way, where we have this full, complete story, we have this full introduction uh, to these characters and then here's your main story like that. I think a lot of that also came from um, specifically how we wanted like that lone wolf and cub yeah. kind of influence uh, very uh, lone wolf and cub, not just in the QK Aya relationship and also the low Aya relationship. Um, I think very much inspired the pacing. Yeah. I well, almost so. more so than anything else. Um, so, yeah. Um, we have taken uh, more than two hours. <laughs> so uh, I want to just throw it to final thoughts about this issue, and then we'll tell you where you can find this online, and then we'll get out of your hair. So, uh, Jamie, why don't we start with you? Any final kind of thoughts about the issue as a whole, or the general direction of the series, whatever you want to say? Uh, uh, the book is fun. I, I, think, uh, I think people will enjoy it. I think, I mean, it's, it's really fun to do the, the book gets better with every issue. I think I really find my groove halfway through issue three. So uh, issue three, around. issue three is ridiculous. Stick around and, and watch and, and, and read that book. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really feel like every, every step of the way with this team, with V, with uh, Jamie and with Ryan, it's, it's been really exciting to create, um, you know, not just like, oh, this, like, this is a good book. I'm super proud of it. But also every time any, anyone on this team shares what they're doing with the rest of the team, like it feels like, um, it feels like, uh, 
you know the the when you were younger and in the the lunchroom you had like the your mama battles yes and the moment where where that one person like steps in and drops that line and you're like oh you know like, <laughs> um it's it's the what is it, the bathomatics yes. uh gif you know like every every moment feels like that uh when i i uh pass off you know ideas with v or read uh the parts of the script that v writes or every time jamie sends like every every everything anything jamie sends yeah. uh you know when ryan uh when ryan's lettering like emerges feeling like you know like this this fully birthed awesomeness so good ryan is um our so so you know in um the Aaliyah song, the the uh, Timberland baby noise. Yes. Ryan is our baby noise. Yes, correct. sorry for saying well, that, Ryan. Put you know it all together. I mean. uh, <laughs> um, one of the most wildest like things that you think back and you're like, yo, that that worked and it was amazing. <laughs> and music and you know like comic stuff is you know different for that. And that's what Ryan feels like. Yes. Uh, yes. To this, um, again, I'm sorry, I just said that, Ryan. Uh, but that's the thing, and I think that our excitement shows because every time we get something from one of the other members of the team we're like oh well now i gotta step up like each i think like we feed off of each other in that very real way for me i think that like the most important thing was creating something that this team could be excited to work on and that we loved um and that we could share proudly with other people and not just like look how cool we are but in a way that was like this is what this is us jamming this is us making our visual music this is us sharing pieces of ourselves that we find are important and that we think are actually universal this is us making a statement and that statement is community but also fun <laughs> it is you know this is this is mythology this is uh your heroes fighting this at first nebulous bad guy and then getting more and more specific and then showing you new ways to slay that bad guy it's it's i wanted to do something whether or not it becomes part of this official canon that felt like it belonged in you know amongst these mythologies that we tell um and you know i also just wanted to do something super fun because i uh i'm i'm stressed all the time so this is what i do for fun uh so yeah I, I hope that you've enjoyed not only this commentary, but the issue itself. Uh, you know, again, I'm Vita Ayala. I'm on Twitter and Instagram all the time. At definitely Vita are my handles on both. Uh, please come check me out. Uh, we'll talk more about what we're doing with Quarter Killer uh, as, as more and more comes out. So stay tuned for that and other stuff I'm working on. Um, I um, guess I'm saying bye as Danny because that's who I am. Um, I am pretty much constantly on Twitter. Uh, my handle is where dogs, W-E-R-E-D-A-W-G-Z, because I have a brand. Yeah. Um, and I am always there. I love seeing what people think about what we're uh, working on. Um, and uh, send music. Yes, and music. We also have a, a playlist. We each, I think, made a playlist yeah. for QK. So when this drops, we'll also just keep an eye on our Twitters and we'll be tweeting that. Uh, I will make I will make a playlist. I haven't made one, but oh, yeah. that'll, be, that'll be good. Um, I am Jamie Jones. I am Art of Jamie Jones on all social medias. That's the easiest way to get in touch with me. Um, I'm primarily on Instagram as I am an artist and take <laughs> pictures of pictures that I draw. So, uh, yeah. 
Go read oh. the baboon. Go yeah, read go read the, the baboon. Please do. <laughs> Please do. It's so good. Read the baboon. Read Queen of Bad Dreams. Read Submerged. Please and thank you. Uh, thank you for sticking with us, and we hope you enjoy the book. Bye. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered by Chelsea Jacobson and mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Ew.